0: Welcome to day five of our look through 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 16 today. I love the way, I love the way that this chapter ends. It ends, as we've talked about integrity in our lives, with where the focus has to be for integrity to happen. It ends with a focus on the church and a focus on Jesus. First, the focus on the church. Paul writes in verses 14 and 15, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now focus on that word foundation. It is the foundation of the truth. What happens when a building has no foundation? It collapses. And God says you cannot make it in the Christian life without a foundation. And that foundation is the church of the living God. It is God's household. The idea there is God's family. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. Now, what is the church? The church is a body. It's not a business. It's a body. It's an organism, not an organization. It's a family, not an institution. And we are part of that family. And that family is also a foundation. It's a foundation for God's truth and God's integrity in your daily life. Truth is not discovered out of thin air. And truth is not discovered all by yourself. Truth is discovered out of God's word. He's given it to us to show us his truth. And truth is discovered in relationship. It is revealed in a faith community called the church. If you think I'm just going to go sit up on a hill somewhere, read the Bible, and I'm going to get all of God's truth that I need, you haven't read the Bible yet. Because the Bible says it is the church of the living God that's the pillar and foundation of the church. It is God's household. It is the family of God. Whenever I hear someone say they're going to try to live their faith out apart from the church, I realized two things. I realized, first of all, they've probably been hurt. Probably been hurt by someone in a church, maybe a leader of a church who has disappointed them or a member of a church who has in some way humiliated them or in some way hurt them deeply. We do that to each other as human beings. The church is filled with imperfect human beings. I'm I'm one of them. So I realized that person has been hurt, but I also realized that that person has allowed that hurt they go so deeply into their hearts that they're missing out on God's greatest blessings. And they've cut themselves off from the foundation that they need to live out God's truth. And you wonder why you can't get rid of that bitterness. You wonder why you can't get untracked in your Christian life. It's because you've allowed the hurt to cut you off from the foundation, the foundation that you need. You're never going to find a perfect church. Never going to find one. Every church that you find, there are people who will hurt you but you'll also find people who will love you. You'll find people who are following Christ. So you find that family that God has put you in, and then you live the life together, not looking to the other people in that church as perfect models, but as fellow strugglers in this life of faith. That's the church. That's the pillar and foundation of the church, of the truth. Now, that's part of the focus. But then Paul says, let's amp it up a little bit. Let's also focus on Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And in verse 16, he says this. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. That is a picture of Jesus Christ. He talks about six things here. Appeared in a body, vindicated by the Spirit. Six things that give us a picture of who Jesus really is. Now, what do these six things mean? What's he talking about here? Let's walk through them very quickly. Appeared in a body. We know that one. That happened in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ appeared in a body. He became a man at Bethlehem. And great is that mystery of godliness, Paul starts by saying. The fact that God could become a man, is that a mystery to you? It certainly is to me. How could that happen? Only in the greatness of God. But God can do anything. And so Jesus became a man. Now, by the way, Jesus was sent by God into the world. He became a man in the world. He's the only one that that's happened to. You and I, when we're born... It's not like we came from heaven and we came down to earth and we born into a body. When we are born, that's when our existence begins, at the moment of conception. But Jesus, he's always existed. He's always existed, but there came a moment in time at Bethlehem where he became a baby. He became a human being. and He did that for you. He humbled himself to the point that he became a man. He did that for you because he loves you. And that birth, the fact that he appeared in a body, that means that God is with me. He came to let us know that he is with us. He appeared in a body. The second thing of these six, Paul says he was vindicated by the Spirit. Now, some people think that that refers to Jesus' baptism, where the Spirit came down and in coming down showed that Jesus was the Son of God. Many others think that this has to do with the resurrection of Christ that by God's Spirit, the power of God, Jesus was resurrected. And that's because the word vindicated is so strongly used here. Jesus was put on a cross. Jesus was killed. But he'd said that he would rise in three days. He had said that he could not be killed. And he was vindicated in that resurrection. He was shown to be who he really is. The Spirit showed it at his baptism by coming down like a dove. And God also showed it at his resurrection by Jesus being raised from the dead vindicated by the Spirit. He is seen by angels. Now, in one sense here, this means not just that angels ministered to him, although that could be the meaning. I believe it has a deeper meaning in that all of creation, both heaven and earth, both what was on earth and also all the way into the heavens, saw what Jesus did. Him coming to this earth, giving his life for us, being resurrected from the grave, that was seen, that was noticed by all of creation because it affected all of creation. That is the power of what Jesus did. Jesus was preached among the nations. That is the ministry of the apostles to tell everybody the good news of who Jesus really is. He is believed on in the world as the fifth of these six things. That is the result of the preaching. When somebody tells the good news, somebody believes the good news and it changes their life. And then he is taken up in glory. That's what happened in Acts chapter one, when Jesus was taken up before the disciples' eyes into the heavens. And now he's sitting at the right hand of God in glory. Now, I want you just to notice here, if you're really thinking this through, that the order is theological, not chronological. If you take a look, Jesus is taken up in glory in Acts chapter 1, but then he's proclaimed and believed throughout the rest of the book of Acts. So what's last here actually comes first in the book of Acts. Whether it's first in the book of Acts or last here, in both cases it's because it's the most prominent, most preeminent thing to take note of, taken up in glory. I believe that's why it's last here. That's what you need to hang on to. You want to live a motivated life of faith? You want to live a life of integrity for the rest of your life? Don't try to do it on your own power. Realize that Jesus Christ is sitting at God's right hand in glory right now. You want to live a, you want to live a motivated life of faith? Jesus is at the center. If you want to live a life of faith the rest of your life, you've got to realize that the church is at the center of your spiritual life. The body of Christ. You're not living this life on your own. And you have to realize that it is the body of Christ that is at the center. And so when we talk about the church being at the center, we're saying Jesus is at the center of the church, He's at the center of it all. When you want to live a motivated life of faith, the number one question strip away all the confusion about this quality of life and what does this mean and how am I going to do that. Instead of drowning yourself with a lot of questions, focus on this one. Who is at the center of my life right now? Is my desire for more money at the center? Is this relationship that I'm hoping is going to give me happiness at the center? And maybe it's a relationship you're hoping toward marriage. You should have a lot of focus on that relationship, but is it at the center of your life or is Jesus? Or maybe it's a relationship that you know is wrong, but somehow later in life you think that's your only excitement in life. And so you're starting to make that relationship, that adulterous relationship, the center of your life. What's at the center? You see, whether it's good or whether it's evil, if you put anything besides Jesus Christ at the center of your life, you're going to miss this motivated life of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I got to work every day to keep Jesus at the center. It doesn't happen automatically. It happens through connection with him. So let's talk to him right now. And Jesus, as we pray, we just ask that today... This day, as we walk through moment by moment, you help me, you help us to keep you at the center of our lives, of our decisions, of our relationships, the center of our lives, the way we conduct ourselves in our families, in our business, at our school, the center of our lives. Jesus, we want you to be at the center. We choose to trust you as the center of our lives, and we choose to trust you in your name. In your name, Jesus. Amen. And next week, we're going to be talking together about 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be focusing on the danger of a lie and the importance of the truth. And for those of you who are walking through life, healing choices right now, I just want to point out to you, I hope you've seen as we've walked through 1 Timothy 3, how it fits hand in glove with everything that we're learning, all the choices that we're learning, the commitment choice. I've got to be committed to Christ. I've got to keep Christ at the center. We just talked about that today. Earlier this week, we talked about living with a clear conscience. The the choice to clear my conscience before God and before men, that's an important part of living life's healing choices. It's all here in this life of integrity that Paul talks about to his son in the faith, Timothy. And I hope you hear in those words something that can motivate your life of faith in a new way. If there is something in this chapter that helps you to get it, How I can live the commitment choice. How I can live the hope choice. How I can live the consecration before God choice. How I can live out life's healing choices. If there's something that helps you to get it, then go back and begin to live it. Don't just say, well, I already went through that and I didn't really get it. Now God's got your attention. So you go back and you say, all right, I'm going to make that choice now. Because I don't know about you. I'm having to make life's healing choices the rest of my life have to go over it again and again and again. So when God tells you, oh, here's something you should have done, here's something you could do, and go and do that now and watch what he does to change your life.